0: I'm going to focus on one statement this evening from Hebrews 13, verse 8. See what you think about this. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're going to next a few minutes together, explore this statement, Hebrews uh, 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is seen yesterday, today, today, and forever. Now, the eternal nature of Jesus is well documented in the scriptures and pretty well known to us, I think. Let's take just a couple of minutes to review the eternal nature of Jesus. For example, in John 8:58, Jesus applies something interesting to himself. And this has to do with an Old Testament incident with Moses as God is revealing himself to Moses way back in Exodus 3, wanting Moses to go and be the leader would deliver his people out of Egyptian bondage. Moses had some questions. Moses said, Lord, who am I going to tell them that is sending me to do this? If they ask his name, the one who is sending me, if they ask his name, what am I going to say? Exodus 3 and 14, God said to Moses, you tell them that I am ascending you. I am ascending you. The idea of I am is simply to be, to be. And you know that this refers to the absolute, eternal self-existence of God himself. And Jesus in John 8:58, told some of the Jewish leaders, before Abraham was born, I am, I am. So Jesus, he brings to us his eternal nature. In another place, Isaiah 44 verse 6, the eternal nature of God is brought out. Isaiah 44 verse 6, talking about how there is no God like the God of heaven. But reading in Isaiah 44 verse 6, thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. See that? Isaiah 44, verse 6. Now Jesus way over, as he reveals himself to the Apostle John, Revelation 1, he applies this same sort of language to himself. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. John says, When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, did Jesus, saying, Fear not, I am the first. And the last, and the living one, I died, but behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death and Hades. So notice how Jesus again brings to our attention attention his eternal nature. Hebrews 13.8 does the same thing. Now look at um, Hebrews 1 for a second. Hebrews chapter 1. Notice with me verses 10 through 12 also bringing out the eternal nature of Jesus. Hebrews 1, 10 through 12. By the way, this is a quotation from Psalm 102, beginning in verse 25. But here the apostle, Hebrews 1, is bringing this out of Psalms and applying it to Jesus. Hebrews 1 is all about Jesus being greater than the angels. So notice Hebrews 1, beginning in verse 10. You, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, Lord. You are the same, and your years will have no end. No end. So we could go here and there, but just a quick review there of the eternal nature of Jesus. He remains the same, though a lot of other things change. Now here's a terrible idea. But I've heard this recommended by counselors who are trying to counsel a husband and wife. But it's a terrible idea. But the idea is that on the last day of the year, a husband ought to look at his wife and say, okay, it's the last day of the year, almost the first day of the new year. What changes do you think that I need to make in order to be a better husband? That's a terrible idea because the list would be so long. It would be overwhelming. And it would depress the husband and the wife. So, but at least we understand that all of us need to improve. And all of us do improve, but we fall back, and so there's an ebb and flow to us. But none of that can ever be said about Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and actually uh, forever. Hebrews 13 verse 8 has three tenses there. It's a very tense verse, you might say has three tenses, and I want you to see that the qualities of Jesus extend to yesterday, today, and forever. And I want us to notice these qualities that extend yesterday, today, and forever. I want to go broadly with you to the broad context of things and then come back to Hebrews 13 to the immediate context. When we are exploring a subject in the Bible, Those are the two things that will help, to look at the subject immediate in the immediate context and the broad context. Let's start broadly, and then we'll come down uh, to the immediate context. Okay? So, the first quality of Jesus that we'll think about is the power of Jesus. The power of Jesus. The power of Jesus extends back to yesteryear and today and forever. How do we know that? Well, you know it. John 1, verse 1, what does that say about Jesus? In the beginning was the Word. Who else, what else does that verse say? The Word was with God, the Word was God. All right, keep going. The with God. All right. John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the word, word, word was um, with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that has been made. So Jesus is the source of the creation. He is the power behind the whole world. Colossians 3, Colossians 1, I should say, and verse 16 brings out the same, very same idea about Jesus, Colossians 1:16. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. So Jesus' power goes back to yesterday, but also his power extends to today. Today. If you're still there in Colossians 1.17, notice what it says about Jesus. It says, In him all things do what? What? Consists, all things are held together by uh, Jesus. And then the same idea in Hebrews 1, Hebrews 1 in verse 3, where it says, Hebrews 1 verse 3, that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and that Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature. And notice this, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That's, That's Jesus So notice his power extends back to yesterday and today and really forever. Because Jesus is not through showing us his power. John 5, 28 and 29, the Lord says, Marvel not at this, the hour is coming, when all that are in the tomb shall hear my voice and shall come forth. They have done good unto a resurrection of um, life, they have done evil to a resurrection and condemnation. Jesus is going to show his power in the forever realms as well. Um, John 14, Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you, right? So just as Jesus created this universe that we live in, so he is now with his power creating that heavenly realm where we will be forever one day. He's still using His power even today, and that power will be evident throughout eternity. Philippians 3.21, Jesus will take this lowly body that we have and change it on the resurrection day unto a body like unto Him and His glory. So, there is an example how that the power of Jesus is eternal. In fact, it extends back to yesterday, today, and forever. The second quality of Jesus, let's mention quickly, is the Word of Jesus. The Word of Jesus extends backwards to today and forever. I want you to notice with me in 1 Peter chapter 1 how that Jesus was in the Old Testament prophets as they spoke the Word of God. That's a, that's a great thought. Jesus was in, and he was part of God who was directing the Old Testament prophets. Notice 1 Peter 1, verse 10, concerning this salvation, 1 Peter 1, verse 10, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what? person or time, the spirit of Christ, notice that, underline it, the spirit of Christ in them, the prophets, was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent uh, glories. So the spirit of Christ was in the prophets as they spoke the word of God. Just Notice how the word of Jesus is, is uh, eternal. Now, this is interesting to me. Because if you jump over to 1 Peter 3, verse 19 and 20, there's a weird but great statement made. 1 Peter 3, 19 says that Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. Now, all that simply means is that the Spirit of Christ was in Noah. As Noah, in those days, before the ark, while the ark was being prepared, he also was out there preaching to the masses, saying, a flood is coming, turn away from your violence, turn away from your evil thoughts. And um, not many heeded him at all. But there, the Spirit of Christ was at work inside Noah as he, as he proclaimed. 2 Peter 2 verse 5 says, Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And so as he preached God, Christ was, was with him. So notice how that the word of Jesus goes back, okay? but also the word of Jesus is, is present today. Hebrews 1, as you very well know, verses 1 and 2, the very beginning of the book of Hebrews... Very beginning of the book of Hebrews, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But has in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things. So Jesus is clearly the teacher today, and Jesus has brought His New Testament to us and the new or the new covenant. To us, and he speaks uh, through that. In John 17, verse 8, Jesus, as he prays to the Heavenly Father, says, I have, I have taken your word, Father, and I have given it unto them, the apostles. And so the apostles has brought, has brought us the word of Christ. So it's been passed down from the Father to Christ to the apostles, and now these things are written we may have the word of Christ. So the word of Jesus goes back to yesteryear, is definitely present today, and the word of G- words of Jesus will have an impact into eternity. Don't you want to hear, according to Matthew 25, 21, don't you want to hear Jesus say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been, a faithful. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will now make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy Don't you want to hear those words? Come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Enter into the joy of your Lord. (laughs) Jesus' words will make an impact in eternity for everybody, good and bad. Matthew 7, 23, to the evil or unfaithful, he will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. The words of Jesus go back to yesteryear. They are definitely the power today. Paul says in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of who? The gospel of Christ. But it's the power of God unto salvation. So think about these two qualities for a second. You've got the power of Jesus, eternal, and the word of Jesus, eternal. Jesus once said, Matthew 24, 35, He said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. First 1 Peter 1, 23, Peter said, We are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So, a third quality, third quality, is the sacrifice of Jesus. Does, does the sacrifice of Jesus extend backwards and forwards? Well, you know it does. And staying right here in Hebrews nine, book of Hebrews, we want to go over to chapter nine, let's do a little reading about this. We'll start in verse 26, and then back up. As you're turning there, remember Hebrews one verse three says that Jesus upholds the universe by the word of his power, and after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus in the past has made purification of sins. How did he do that? Hebrews 2 verse 9 says he tasted death for every man by the grace of God. Now, in Hebrews 9 verse 26, notice, Says, for then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So Jesus' sacrifice goes back in time. And does that sacrifice have abiding impact for us now? Certainly uh, it does. Looking right here in Hebrews. 9, verse 12, it says, are you there? Hebrews 9, verse 12, it says, Jesus entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of bulls and goats, or goats and calves, but by the means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctified for the purification of the flesh, that is, under the old law. If that worked under the old law. Verse 14, Hebrews 9, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, how much more will that purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living and true God? So, the blood of Jesus is Impactful. Because it has the power to forgive us of our sins now. It can cleanse our conscience, make us have a pure conscience. By the way, the Lord provides his blood to give us a pure conscience. But we must respond to that. We know that Peter writes in 1 Peter 3:21 The light figure to even baptism does also now save us. Not to put away the filth of the flesh, but to appeal to God for a clean conscience, a pure conscience. So certainly, as we do the reading here, Hebrews 9, you see the sacrifice of Jesus was actually carried out in the past. But it has an abiding impact now for forgiveness of sins. And we'll be rejoicing in this Forever. According to the the scenes in the book of Revelation, like Revelation 5, verse 8, they're singing and they're praising the Lord because he was slain and he was able to purchase with his blood uh, people who are willing to submit to his will. They'll be singing in heaven, Revelation 15, verse 3, they'll be singing about Moses and the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. The sacrifice of Jesus is so critical to our faith that we'll never get done praising him for that love. What about the compassion of Jesus? Is it extend backwards and forwards as well? Well, just quickly notice Hebrews 5 verse 7. Somebody read that for us when you get there. Hebrews 5 and verse 7. Let's think about that for just a minute. The compassion of Jesus. What does it say? Hebrews five and verse seven. strong crying and tears was able to save. Okay. good. So talking about Jesus in the days of his flesh bringing out strong crying and tears. What, what's that referring to, you think? Yeah, most likely referring to Jesus and His praying. His sweat became as great drops of blood. Him praying there in the garden, pouring out His soul before the Lord, but all because of His great love and compassion for us. So His compassion goes back to yesterday. And we remember a lot about his compassion, how he, he had pity on the poor. He had pity on those who were sick. And mostly he has pity on sinners who need his, his love, mercy, and his will and his teaching. We remember the compassion of Jesus. We remember him coming and visiting Mary and Martha at the death of Lazarus. And John 11:35 35, saying Jesus uh, wept there as well. So in the past, Jesus has showed his compassion. What about right now? What is it that Jesus does right now to show his compassion? Interceding Interceding for us in heaven. Romans 8, 34 says that very thing, that Jesus is there at the right hand of God and he's interceding for us in heaven. John writes in 1 John 2 about how Jesus is our advocate. He's there pleading our case in heaven. What compassion He's showing. Hebrews 4.15 says, We don't have a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but one who was in all points tempted like as we are, uh, yet without sin. Jesus is touched. He feels and knows about our struggles and our weaknesses And so he is there, so he sympathizes with us, and we can relate to him. We can all relate to him. When we see him crying with strong tears there in the garden, we can reflect and remember times when we also had tears streaming down our eyes. And we know and we can see the humanity of Jesus, but also we can see his great love for us. So he's still showing that by being there at the right hand of God uh, in our favor. And he doesn't know when he has to come back so he can keep doing it all the time. Yeah, he just keeps on doing it. He just keeps on doing it. So remember these passages like Romans 8, 34 and 1 John 2, Hebrews 4, 15, Hebrews 7, 25, Jesus is at the right hand of God and he's able to save us uh, completely. He's able to save us to the uttermost. It says, um, we don't have a better friend than Jesus. Never, never, never a better friend than Jesus. Some friends are there when the skies are clear, but at the first sight of a storm or rain, then they leave us, but Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we are in heaven, we'll be rejoicing forever about the compassion of Jesus. We, we will realize more than ever what a great gift heaven up above indeed is. And so, just on a broad sense, I wanted us to mention a few qualities of Jesus that, that extend back, but also extend to today, and will be there uh, for forever. Now, going back to Hebrews 13, let's notice the immediate context here and understand that the leadership of Jesus... Is eternal as well. The leadership of Jesus is eternal. Notice in Hebrews uh, 13, verse 7. Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life, and imitate their faith. So the apostle is asking them to remember, remember those who have spoken the word to you. Okay, those are your leaders. I imagine he's talking about people like Stephen. Remember these leaders, these preachers, these teachers who have spoken the word to you, who are now no longer here, but remember them. Stephen was stoned to death, Acts chapter 7. What about James, John's brother, Acts 12, verses 1 and 2? Herod uh, killed him. Remember people like that. What about Paul uh, being in prison again and again, being whipped and beaten? Remember these men who have spoken to you the Word of God. Meditate on their way of life. Remember eternity, okay, and remember their faith and imitate. So meditate upon them, imitate. Okay? We ourselves can have good memories of men who have brought to us the Word of God. All of you do. All of us have great memories. My, my local preacher growing up in Curry, uh, was Charles Bryan, no longer with us, but what a faithful man he was. I remember one day, one Sunday morning, he, he had a cold and a cough, and he went up into the pulpit with a great giant bottle of cough syrup. Okay. And every time his voice would start to fail him, he would take a swig of that cough syrup, set it back down. He'd go a little bit further, more swig of cough syrup. By the time he got done with the sermon, his face was as red as that shirt right there. I mean, we, we thought he was going to blow up. But what a faithful man uh, he was. You all have, we all have memories. But most of our memories need to be upon these great men who brought the Word of God recorded in Scripture. But here's the thing about men. They have weaknesses. They have shortcomings. They have imperfections, and they would be the first to tell you that. But notice the next verse, Hebrews 13, 8. But Jesus Christ is the same. See, no man can say that. No man can say, I have come in here perfect, I have come in here good, and I have left in the same, same way. No man can do that. That's why our faith is not in a man, no matter who they are, no matter how precious they are, our our faith is not in a man or a relative, it's in the Lord Jesus. I truly believe that's what he's getting at here in Hebrews 13, verse 7, going right into verse uh, number 8, that our faith, uh, as as much as we want to and need to in in ways, uh, to imitate the faith of those who are before us, uh, eventually our faith must be in Jesus and Him alone. Uh, Another person's faith is kind of a link to get us where we need uh, to be. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1, uh, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul didn't want them to follow him per se, but follow me until you can get to where you can follow Christ on your own. This is especially important to consider when we think about men and women who were once there faithful in the church, but who are now no longer there. And you have those experiences as well. Growing up in Curry, we had two main song leaders. They could lead a song at the drop of a hat, no matter where it's at in the book. Both of those men, one, both of them became unfaithful. One has died unfaithful. And the other one is still out there somewhere, unfaithful, left his family, left his children, uh, unfaithful. And again, this is the reason Hebrews 13 verse 8 is there in Scripture, because there is only one that is reliable. There's only one. Remember Vance Sunday, he talked about 2 Timothy 4, and he said 2 Timothy 4 mentions four different individuals, um, mentions uh, Alexander, who did him much evil. Well, Alexander uh, started out evil and finished evil. But he also mentions uh, Demas, okay, who left the work and left the faith, loved this present world. So Demas was once with Paul. He came in to the faith, good, but he left uh, bad. And then he mentions John Mark. John Mark disappointed Paul earlier and sort of left the work, but he was back strong by the time. So he started out bad, but he finished good. And he mentioned Luke there in Second Timothy four, who, by all indications, he started strong and finished strong. But the point is, there are Demas out there. There are Alexanders out there. But our faith is on the Lord Jesus. Okay. So the leadership of Jesus extends back, okay, because we see him leading these faithful men of old. But Jesus is the one to lead us now, and He will lead us on end uh, to heaven if we allow Him, if we will uh, follow Him. Notice Hebrews thirteen verse nine in this same sense says, "Don't be carried away with strange and and um, strange doctrines," is what it says, right? Hebrews thirteen nine. S- same idea. The Word of Jesus is what we follow. Don't leave the Word of Jesus. Don't be don't be carried back. Don't, don't fall to the pressure. There was were, were a lot of pressure on the, on the Christians around Jerusalem, Judea in those days. A lot of pressure being put upon them to go back to the old law of, of Moses. Okay. Don't do that. You stay the course. You stay with the eternal word that's brought to you by the eternal Christ. Okay. Now, notice here one other thought. in in Hebrews 13. Notice the eternal presence of Jesus. His presence. His presence. Jesus promised, and he was with, he was with Paul. A reference there would be Acts 18.10, Paul got scared there in Corinth, and Jesus appeared to him and says, I'm with you. But at the end of the Great Commission, Jesus said, I will be with you. And in heaven the Lord will ever be with us. So the presence of God. Now here in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, notice it. The cure to greed is the presence of God. The reason that people become greedy, the reason that people become enamored with money is because they have fear. They have fear. Notice the connection there in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6. Be free from the love of money, he says. For the Lord has said... I will never leave you, nor forsake you, therefore we will say, we will say. What does it say there? I'm not making this up. Hebrews 13 five and six, "Be free from the love of money. God has said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, "The Lord is my helper, I will not fear, I will not fear." So in the past, the Lord has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So that we can now confidently say, boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So the Lord's presence has been known to be with men and women in the past. He has promised with the Great Commission that He's with us now. And that should take away all our fear. And 1 Thessalonians 4, 18 says, So shall we ever be with the Lord in eternity. So Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let me ask you this. Sometimes people will take a look at this statement and say, Well, that means that miracles should still happen today. Because it says Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. What is your response to that? Right? What else would you say? practice. Yeah. Something... Jesus is the same, but wouldn't you say that his role and his status is different now than it was before um, he came to this earth? Right? Yeah. Philippians 2 says Jesus left heaven, took on the fashion as a man, became a servant, took on the likeness of man. So, in the same way, Jesus is the same but it doesn't necessarily mean that miracles are the same, because miracles had a certain purpose uh, in mind. So, Jesus took on a different role, because that was the purpose of God. But the same, the God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit, still the same in nature, it's just they took on a different role. So miracles once existed, but you know, as 1 Corinthians 13 points out, that um When that which is uh, perfect came, the word of God, then that which is in part was done away. What if somebody said, well, um, I can be saved from my sins just like the thief on the cross because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What are you going to say about that? So I think you touched on it there, especially um, he saved the thief on the cross before the law that we're under was enacted. Is that right? Look at Hebrews 9, since our study has been much in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 9, beginning in verse 15 Concerning Jesus, therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. For a will takes effect only at the death, at, at death, since it is not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. But Jesus was still alive when he gave out salvation to the penitent uh, thief, but that is not a pattern for our salvation today, because Jesus was still alive. But now he's, he's died. He's made this covenant, this will. And it is being enacted and established after his death. So that's that's pretty simple. Okay. So what comments do you have? What what additions would you have on this tremendous statement, Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. What what might same temperament. James 1, verse 5, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and he upbraids not. God's will never changes. He's not, as Mike says, he's not moody. He's not carried by the by emotions up and down as we are. Okay. Okay. His principles and rules do not change. Think about one particular principle or two that has been the same from the very beginning onward. Even though the times have changed and the specifics may change, well, what's a couple of principles? Okay, go ahead, Brother Paul. Faith and obedience. Okay, faith and obedience. Might even add to that grace, faith, and obedience. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord back in Genesis 6. But that required Noah to be obedient to God in carrying out the building of the ark and the other things that God had him to do. Now, we're not required to build an ark for a worldwide flood, but we are required. It's the same principle of responding to God's grace through faith and obedience that's a good good example what other comments might you have about the same yesterday, today and forever All right, that's a good, good principle as well that has endured through time. And that's one thing we are to learn from the Old Testament is what is God's response to sin? Well, it's not good. It's not good. And that is to warn us of our own uh, sin. That's an excellent principle as well. Okay. Thank you so much for being in class and exploring this statement uh, with us. And we'll take about a five-minute break.